Hi, everyone. I missed you all, but don't worry because we're back once again with another new episode of Campfire Adventures. Okay, we've made it safely to the one, the only, Windy City, Chicago, Illinois. And it was raining super hard. I'm talking the clouds were so dark. It looked like I was driving through fog. And then on top of that, the rain was pouring so hard that I could barely see right in front of me. But we made it safely to a hotel. And yes, I said hotel because, I mean, as much fun as it would be to try to set up a tent in the rain like that, I think I could, you know, do a little bit without getting that wet and then also dealing with the thunderstorm. But anyway, you know, making our way to the hotel, right when we got pretty close to it, the clouds all of a sudden just dissipated. They disappeared and the sun started to shine through, and all of a sudden there was this rainbow there, and I was like, okay, hey, we made it to Chicago, we're safe, we're sound, and it's going to be a fun time. But I'll talk more about Chicago later. We actually recorded um, the episode in Milwaukee earlier today, so if I sound a little bit tired, just bear with me. But I had a guest on the show that was super fun to have the last time, so I figured, since you guys love her so much and I love her, we're going to bring her back for today's episode, which is actually later on today's episode in Chicago. My best friend, Lori. She's back again. Hi. Hi, Lori. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being down to do another episode today. Of course. But we also love everybody in podcast land for listening. I really do appreciate you guys listening every week. And I hope that you're enjoying the podcast that we're making up for you and telling you along this road trip across America. But before I go too far off on this tangent, I think it's a good time for us to get into today's story because the one that I have for you is actually really cool. So you know what time it is. It's time to grab a drink. We're in the hotel room and it's time to get into today's story. So today's story might be a little short, but it's definitely one of the coolest stories that we've covered along this trip, and we've covered a lot of good stories. So if you've been following along with these road trip podcasts, I think today's episode is pretty similar to an episode that we talked about in Iowa about the Van Meter monster, and it's not because it's about another flying creature, which would be cool because we've only talked about one, but it's because it was only seen in Illinois for a few weeks before it completely vanished and was never seen again. So I think for this story, we're going to go through kind of a timeline sequence with everybody's accounts of the story and the creature and how it came to be. And I think that that would just be the best way to tell a good cohesive body of work for this creature. So like I said, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. Well, our monster today called a city named Enfield, Illinois, home for about two weeks. Enfield is about five hours away from where I am now, but that doesn't make the story any less scary than it actually is. Okay, so the date is April 25th. During the 1970s, a man named Henry McDaniel and his wife were out having date night. They stayed out until about late, early, late evening, nothing too, too late, and they came back home to their children, 
They went in to check on them, but as soon as they had made their way into the home, Henry's son ran up to him and said that he had heard some scratching noises at the door. It sounded like something or someone was trying to force themselves into the home. Scared, the children got quiet. And if they were anything like me, I just, you know, I would have gotten low to the floor so that way whatever's at the window wouldn't see. And then if they could, or I guess if I could, I'd grab a blanket so of course I can cover myself with it and then get as far away from the window as possible. Because if they don't know that you're in there, maybe they won't be as likely to come in there. Which, I mean, may or may not be true, but hey, that's what I would think as a kid. But nonetheless, and I'll digress because of course I'll go off on this tangent with no problem, but the children were safe regardless. And once the parents made it home, they told them the whole story of what they heard and how they were scared. But the McDaniels took their kids to their room, got them into bed, and told them that everything was fine now and that they just need to have a great night rest and try to forget about what they had heard because they were home now to protect them. Immediately after they put the kids down to bed, Henry heard a scratching noise at the door. So let me stop real quick because I'd like to make something very clear for everyone. I know that I say over and over again, like, oh, I'm scared and I need a blanket if I'm going to watch a scary movie and whatever I'm watching the movie on is actually looking at me through the window and whatever. And it's all fun and games just for laughs, just to play it up. But I do actually really get scared. But if there was a kid involved, if I had kids and I needed to protect them, best believe I'm doing anything in my power to make them feel safe and to do anything to keep them safe. So stop right there before I go too far. But with that scratching noise, what does Henry do? Well, he opens the door to see what's making the noise because, hey, it could be Banjo, the local, you know, stray dog looking for some food. And maybe he's hungry and maybe he's just scratching at the door because he knows that the McDaniels will feed him. So Henry opens the door. But when he opens the door, what he sees would make him regret that decision completely. What Henry described seeing was an unworldly creature that stood almost five feet tall. It had a short abdomen, two stumpy arms, and three legs, one smaller than the other two. Nonetheless, it had three legs. Its eyes were pink in color. I think I would have just died by seeing that. But like I said, if I had babies to protect, I'd do anything. So would Henry, because what he did was he rushed to the kitchen grabbed his gun, and fired at the creature from the other side of the door. He shoots once, boom, direct hit, and fires again, and again. But the creature turned and hopped away. It did kind of like a zigzag hop, and in the process of doing those three little hops, it went almost 60 feet away from the home. It got near some train tracks that were in the neighborhood before disappearing into the night. So as soon as he could, Henry called the police and they came in at a rush. He told the story of what happened, and then police seemed suspicious. I mean, telling anyone that story, they would think the same thing, like, okay, this dude's crazy. Well, they looked at the door, and they did see scratch marks, but they thought the same thing that Henry did at first. I mean, they thought, okay, it's a dog just trying to get some food, stray dog scratching at the door. Not the first time anyone's ever seen scratch marks from a dog. But it wasn't until one of the investigators found footprints from the creature left behind. Well, the footprints came in a lump of three, yeah. and each, each foot had six toes. And that's when they knew that they weren't dealing with any regular stray dog. As soon as they had got that bit of information, though, they got a report of a child who was attacked by an unidentifiable animal. 
and it was in Henry's neighborhood. It was the next door neighbor's son. The child was playing outside in his backyard when he says a creature colored gray with large eyes made its way into the backyard. Apparently, it leaped at the child, and during the process of trying to get him, it had ripped up his shoes and clothes, but didn't do any other physical harm to him before running off into the night. The police were perplexed because two people on the same night in the same neighborhood had reported on some identifiable creature that was loose in the area and obviously wasn't afraid to try to attack people. They asked everyone to keep the story to themselves while they continued to investigate the story. Well, the silence from Henry didn't last long because on May 6th, Henry was awakened from his sleep by the noise of a barking dog in the neighborhood. He went out to his window to see what the commotion was about and to his surprise, he once again saw a five-foot creature colored gray with three legs lurking along the railroad tracks. Henry decided to confront the creature and went down towards the tracks. Unbothered, the creature didn't move until Henry got closer, and then once again the creature hopped off into the middle of the night. Henry couldn't keep his silence any longer, and he decided that he would tell the world what he had seen, regardless of what the police statements had made. He told local news reporters, and the story broke. Everyone from local states and counties decided that they would flock to Enfield, Illinois, and try to catch, hunt, or even kill the creature that they had dubbed the Enfield Horror. Police decided that they would let everyone know that they would be arrested for causing the local town and city's distress by having hordes of people coming into the town trying to hunt this thing. Because, once again, they didn't believe that this creature was real. And even if they did, they couldn't release that information because it caused mass mayhem and widespread panic. On May 8th, a group of men made a hunting team in hopes that one of them would be able to capture the Enfield horror. And as they hunted, they saw a gray-colored beast about five feet tall, resembling somewhat of an ape or like a baboon creature, and they opened fire on it. Keeping their promise, the police found the men responsible and arrested each one of them. Well, but all the men in the group reported seeing the same thing. An ape-like creature, colored gray, giant eyes, hopping around Enfields. Okay, right? So we got Henry, the neighbor, this group of guys. And then there was another man named Rick Rainbow. And he and his friends went on a hunting trip for the creature as well. And Rick actually worked as a radio station personality in Indiana. And he made his way to Enfield to help find the creature. I mean, I don't think they wanted to hunt it. I think they just wanted to prove that it actually existed. And then imagine breaking that news on your radio station. Well, they reported seeing this creature, but they couldn't catch it. But Rick was kind of smart because he actually started to, play, uh, started to play a recorder. So it would record all the sound in the area. And he actually picked up uh, the sounds of this creature. And it's reported that it sounded kind of like a bobcat, but a little bit different. I couldn't find it anywhere. I wish I could. That way I could play it for you guys. But he is one of the only people to actually have some physical-like evidence of this creature. But then along with that and the footprints that the police had found earlier, those are the only two types of physical evidence that prove that this infield horror was actually out there. But if you don't believe that this creature is real, you wouldn't be alone. Some people say that this creature is actually just a kangaroo that escaped. I guess a man had uh, 
a man actually owned a kangaroo and a couple months before this sighting it actually escaped from his home so he's saying that maybe it was the kangaroo that's made its way into town and that I also, makes sense yeah i've heard that kangaroos are actually a little bit more aggressive than other animals like you know if you if you try to attack them they're gonna fight back like I've, I've seen videos on facebook of them fighting people or like it was trying to get this dog one time and this guy had to run up and punch him in the face and then the kangaroo was like wait what happened oh you're trying to come at me so they're thinking that maybe it's a kangaroo and then um some people say that it's actually just a bear or something some type of feral animal that's hungry and making its way into the neighborhoods and then there's also one more theory that maybe it's an alien and I guess around this time, there had been numerous sightings of UFOs. And so people think that maybe it was an alien that's made its way into the city and was trying to attack people. And fun fact, the lower area of Illinois is actually known as the Devil's Kitchen, which was crazy because I heard that and I was like, oh, God, let me tell you right now. Thank God I'm in Chicago. But apparently the area is more rural than the cities. And apparently anything goes in this area. People report seeing ghosts, hearing different paranormal activities happening in the area. Some people say that there are floating lights that have no known source to them that are making its way through the woods and wherever out. And then a lot of people say aliens frequent the area. So maybe it could have been an alien. Well, we might not know if it's real or not, because like I said, it's only appeared for about two weeks Remember, that was between, what, April 25th through May 8th. And then after that, it had completely disappeared into thin air. I mean, maybe it could be an alien. I mean, it makes sense because it could be there. And then maybe it got bored and then decided to fly off somewhere else. But if you're in the area, be careful. I mean, even though I'm in Chicago, I'm going to look over my shoulder. I'm going to make sure my door is locked. And no, I won't be opening it for any scratches. But I think that's where we're going to end today's story. And like I said, it's not long, but I feel like it was so informative. And we heard so many different stories of people's interactions with this creature. This creature wasn't afraid of human interaction. It made its way into people's homes, you know, trying to get them. So what else could this thing be? Three legs, you know, giant pink eyes, Five feet tall. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen anybody I with think gray it's skin. A kangaroo, and it disappeared mm. because someone decided to make kangaroo burgers. That's no I've way. I've heard people make burgers out of kangaroos. It sounds like that's what it is to me. Well, hopefully they weren't making kangaroo burgers. Why do you think it was a kangaroo so bad? Because I saw a video of a kangaroo and it looked like it had three legs. Like its tail acts as a third leg. Like they can lean back and get off of their two feet by just using their tail. Okay. And it has two stumpy arms and yes. a small body, maybe about and five about feet. And about five feet, yeah. Okay. I'll give that, you know, a whirl. I could, I could take that. I'm not going to completely give up my alien theory because hopefully... And made kangaroo burgers out of this kangaroo. Maybe it just wandered off. But I guess we'll never know because no one ever reported seeing it after that. It's a 1970s mystery and we're still talking about it today. But that's cool. I really I like that input. Nobody make kangaroo burgers, please, if you find a straight kangaroo. But that's where we're going to end today's story. 
It's been fun. It was a really busy day, but I think we got some great stories out of today. Did you like this one too? Yes. Well, I- they, it got the lawyer approval. There you have it. I mean, but- I like big hairy monsters <laughs> more than I like kangaroos, but yes, I liked it. I'll take it. Well, that's the story we have for you on this road trip. We're going to keep going along tomorrow. So just stay up to date because you're going to see all of our pictures on Instagram and Facebook at Campfire Adventures Podcasts. And then tons of behind the scenes are at www.campfireadventurespodcast.com. And once again, I appreciate you, Lori, for being here. And then I appreciate everybody out there in podcasting. You guys are killing it. So thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying this adventure as much as I am. And that's it. Every noise you heard today was because we were in the hotel room. So you got AC, you got pillows, you got Lori's side of the phone. We got everything. And whether you listen to this during the day or the night, I hope you have a good evening or a good morning. I appreciate you. Thank you all. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Bye. Bye.